Hey, welcome to the podcast for The Kelly Cotrera Show. Coming up, is your vacuum listening to you? If it's a Roomba, it could. We'll talk with cybersecurity expert David Shipley about that. We're also going to check in on the winter forecast. Anthony Farnell for Global has figured it out. But first, human rights complaint. Another one was filed. Yesterday, we were talking about one that involved a, a restaurant in Toronto. This one involves a Calgary bar. And I cannot get behind this person. So uh, the bar is called Broken City Social Club, which unless you're familiar with Calgary, probably is neither here or there to you. But the incident took place last October, and they've just been notified early November that the Alberta Human Rights Commission is looking into a complaint that was filed against them. The incident involved a woman who said she couldn't wear a mask because she had PTSD, and then she was denied entry by staff. Now, before you start saying, oh, I feel sorry for that woman, she was going to a bar. She was going to a bar. I would argue it is there's no need to go to a bar. That's a desire thing. That's a wants and needs category. That's how I organize my life during this pandemic, and everybody should. It's a want. It's a need. That goes into the want category, and guess what? If you can't wear a mask, you're not getting in. So he says staff went, the owner of this bar says staff went to seek guidance from the manager after they said, you know what, Um, you're not going to be able to come in unless you wear a mask. And when the manager came to the door to deal with the issue, she'd left. Well, then it couldn't have been too important for if she left. Like she really didn't have to wet her whistle that much. It's not like you can't get access to alcohol if you want it during this pandemic. That's one of the essential services that, that was left open and left available to Canadians. And so after she left, you know what she did next? Exactly. She went on social media. There was a string of Facebook posts appeared that were bashing this club for discriminating against people with disabilities, people that couldn't put on masks. And so they went online and tried to deal with it themselves. Oh, no, 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 no. Be very careful when you respond to people online that are that are venting. And they said that all people will be required to wear a face mask despite Calgary's bylaws having exemptions. And he said he felt obligated to his staff and customers. And he was willing to bear the consequences of people who wanted to boycott his business. But as it stands, I care about my staff. I care about my customers. I'm sorry, if you're not wearing a mask, you're not coming in. So then what happens? Oh, it gets better. There's this guy who th- takes it upon himself to set up a Facebook group, um, a Facebook group. And you can only join this. It's a private Facebook group. So you have to join. I went online to, to suss it out this morning. It's called blacklisted and whitelisted businesses in Calgary and area. And it, you know, I had to join and I'm like, I'm not going to give this guy another group member because I'm doing some investigation. So I didn't go online to find out exactly what it entails, but this is what I do know. It calls out establishments denying to enter people, you know, denying entry to people wearing, not wearing masks. And he says there are people who have very significant reasons for not wearing a mask. A lot of these reasons can be invisible, like PTSD, anxiety, asthma, breathing issues. Look, if you have asthma or breathing issues, or anxiety, probably not a good idea to go out to a bar during COVID. Like, I don't have any of those issues right now because who knows, anxiety could pop up at any time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to close the door on anxiety, but I'm not going to a bar 
because it's not a need right now. So this guy who put together this Facebook group that bashes places, businesses, just trying to stay afloat during this pandemic for not allowing people in that aren't wearing masks, his group, he says, is trying to build awareness and has been reaching out to businesses. He says if they violate human rights, they are not only going to lose people's respect, but they're going to lose business. At the end of the day, it's going to hurt their bottom line. And I guess he's taken upon himself to, you know, put the nail in the coffin where he sees fit, which I think is ridiculous, right? And here's where I sit on this. Businesses have the obligation to treat and accommodate people, treat people with respect, accommodate people. But you also have an obligation to protect the majority of people that are coming in. And we're not talking about a pharmacy. We're not talking about a grocery store. We're talking about a bar. I'm going to open up the phone lines here. I'm going to welcome your calls, whatever side you're on. But I just want to see where everybody's falling on this. Just whose rights are being infringed upon with this story? Is it the rights of the person with PTSD who wants to go in and have a drink, can't wear a mask? Or is it the rights of the business owner who's trying to keep people safe and stay afloat? Hey, Teresa in Oshawa, welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Hi, you're killing me here. (laughs) Everything you're saying is everything I'm thinking. Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. She shouldn't have gone to the bar. They have their rights. I Sorry, the bar people have their rights infringed on when people do this kind of stuff. I work in a restaurant, and we would absolutely 150% turn her away. It's not yeah, about human does, rights. How does social media play into the whole uh, scare tactic? How, how often do you get that card kind of pulled on you guys? Well, I'll be tweeting about this. I'll be on Facebook. And that's if the you... sad part. That is the sad part, because even if, you know, so we were really busy uh, when we had that nice weather, and you, you, you just yeah. can only do as much as you can do. And um, so people do, we have like, you know, they'll go on and say, oh, we waited for an hour and a half, you know, basically don't go there, service sucks, it doesn't suck, it's just the people that come in. You get you get those odd people that just want to, I think they just want attention, good, bad, right. or otherwise. So I'm totally with you, 150%, go smoke a joint, get lost, go have a drink at your own house. Why would you go to a bar in the first place if you, people with P- PTSD don't actually go out in places like that anyways, because they're supposed to be scared, you know, like they're... Well, I don't know. I got to be honest with you, Teresa. I'm not an expert in PTSD. I appreciate your call, though, but I have worked in the food beverage industry before. And I know when people want to drink, they can get very surly if you turn them down. I don't know what this lady was dealing with. I do know she didn't want a mask. And I, I think that it's awfully odd. Like if you are really, if you are really passionate enough about something to launch a human rights complaint against a bar, you're not going to leave when the 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 wait staff at the front door, or the hostess says, sorry, you're not allowed in, and you ask for the manager. You're going to wait for the manager to show up, and then you're going to, you know, say your piece. So I just don't think this this woman's uh, rights were infringed upon. Josh and Barry? Hi, how are you, Kelly? I'm great. So whose rights are being infringed upon? Is it the bar owner who now has his major social media uh, boycott to contend with? People are asking people not to go to that bar in Calgary, or is it the woman who can't wear a mask? Well, Kelly, listen, uh, I operate a PPE company and we manufacture surgical masks up here in Barrie. Um, During the beginning of this pandemic, um, we dealt with this a lot uh, with, with some of our customers. And the thing is, is that a lot of these municipalities that are creating uh, exemptions um, for the for the wearing of masks in public spaces, yep. 
don't have authority to actually do that. Um, employers are bound by the Occupational Health and Safety Act, uh, which is provincial legislation, right? Um, municipalities actually operate under uh, the Municipalities Act. They have no uh, constitutional authority. Um, an employer is bound by law to take all reasonable precautions to protect their staff um, at all times under law. Um, a province or a, a municipality doesn't have the authority to create an exemption that's in conflict with provincial legislation. And, and that's hmm. a big part of where we were uh, seeing conflict with, with our customers and their customer base. That's interesting. So, uh, I mean, what does this guy have to do? Say, legally, uh, I can't, like, would it have been better for him to go on social media and say, not say, I've made the decision to protect my staff and the clients that come in, and that's why we turned away someone that's not wearing a mask? Is it, is, is it, would the better decision have been to go online and say, look, it, it's illegal for me? Yeah, I, I think I think one point that that um, employers can make if if they're coming into this situation is is that there's there's a part um, in relation to human rights and it's called competing rights. And in general, what that does is it's uh, competing rights policy kind of outlines um, when you have one group that feels that their rights are violated by the rights of another group. Uh, but you know the the superior courts in Canada. Um, have already ruled, and this is this is very you know common knowledge in law that that no rights are actually absolute, um, and there is no hierarchy of rights. So people people need to be cautious. Um, I believe that people need to be cautious uh, when when they're presenting um, a human rights challenge uh, against a business because um, not only. Um, is the perception that all of your rights are absolute in every situation, because that is not the case, but they, they could potentially also be leaving themselves um, open to, uh, you know, litigation and, and the costs that are associated to, to that, that employer defending themselves in a, in a civil rights uh, trial. Wow. That's interesting. I really appreciate you calling in, Josh. Thanks so much no for problem. the uh, information. You're very welcome. You have a great day. Hey, Ron and Angus over to you. I mean, I signed on the, the bar owners, um, I fall on the bar, bar owner's side uh, when it comes to this human rights complaint. I think it's just uh, complete and utter BS. I, I, it's not that I don't feel for people or understand there are some people because of anxiety, which is invisible, that can't wear masks. I just argue that if you can't put a mask on and you suffer from something like a PTSD or, um, or anxiety, that uh, you know, you're probably, during the pandemic going to avoid places like bars. It's a different story when we're talking about grocery stores or places you absolutely need to go. It's not a luxury like a bar. Well, it's like I told your screener, this is a Forrest Gump moment. Stupid is. How so? Stupid is as stupid does. This okay, I thought you were going to bring in the box of chocolates, and I got to say, I get nervous when I'm, no, no, anybody no, no, talks no, no. about what those box saying, of chocolates me... with the maps because I always pick the wrong one. Even though I scrutinize the map for ages, Ron, I always pick the one with that flipping cherry center. I'm like, how did I do that? It looks comp- So what are you going to, are you going to lay a lawsuit against the company because they make cherry chocolates? <laughs> this no, because I'm a reasonable person, Ron. Yeah, but this is an assault on society, Kelly. It's how? plain and simple. This is, uh, as they say, stupid is as stupid does. You're right on everything that has been said so far about PTSD, about ill people, about not wearing masks. I have lost two lobes of my lungs. I still wear a mask. I well, have you a should wear a mask. 
I have a form of PTSD as a yep. veteran. I do not go to bars if I'm not feeling well. That's plain and simple. I don't hide from life, but I, there are times when I just don't want to be near people. And this is one of them. By, by rights, this is a complete waste of time. They're destroying, they're trying to destroy a bar, a man with having enough problems that it is right now, and it's time for people to get their damn act together. We were warned, okay, about how bad this can get, and it's happening. We were given a chance to be a civil society, and we didn't. And now we're paying for it, and now this person thinks it's great to sue a bar because they were refused to drink because they wouldn't wear a mask. How stupid is that? Appreciate the call, Ron. Going to move on to Nathan in Richmond Hill to give you the last word on this, Nathan. I really feel for this bar owner. I mean, they're in Calgary, so they're not really a local bar. But I still feel for them because, you know, this could happen anywhere. You're a bar owner. You've got someone who's uh, at the front door saying, I don't want to wear my mask, although your staff and your clients are your main priority. And you have a masking bylaw in effect. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for giving me the last word, Kelly. <clears throat> I argue with people about this. Not argue, but I have discussions with people about this all the time. And after I make this point, they don't. Go, it, it's done. There's a precedent that's been set in this country and in the United States and the, mess, the rest of the world, pretty much. You are a man or a woman. You're allowed to walk down the street without a shirt on, correct? Uh, yeah, but I, I don't tend to do that. I might consider right. it if I was that's, back in my 20s but, again. but Yeah, well, that's irrelevant. Who doesn't, doesn't. The point is you're allowed to. Jeff Spicoli, no shirt, no shoes, no service. The precedent was set. You can walk down the street every day of the week without a shirt on. But guess what? You want to go into a business, you have to wear a shirt. This is the same. She doesn't have a leg to stand on. She's being vindictive and she's on a fishing expedition. That's my take. What was that? It was his mic drop. Nicely done, Nathan. Appreciate that. All right, listen, every dog owner needs this item in their house. And also, it's like a double-edged sword. You need it, but you can't have it. Why? Because you have a dog. But because you have a dog, you need it. What I'm talking about is the Roomba. I would love to have one of these Roombas. Um, but my border collie just wouldn't stand for it. He'd be chasing it around the whole day. Apparently now I'm finding out a Roomba can be hacked. So I'm happy I don't have it. Yeah, your vacuum cleaner. People can hack in and listen to you. Of course, I reached out to David Shipley, our 640 Toronto cybersecurity analyst, for more on this story. David, the ins and outs of the Roomba are a mystery to me. I still don't really understand how it works, but apparently now it's listening. So it doesn't have a microphone, but it does have something cool. It's called LIDAR, and LIDAR uses lasers and light to measure and map your house. It's how Roomba draws the map and, and figures out where to vacuum and if it's covered 100% of the space it needs to clean. So some interesting researchers and scientists wondered if that laser could actually be used to detect sound. And it's based on research that's actually been around since the 1940s, where if you point a laser at an object that will vibrate like a light bulb or a television screen, when there's sound, you can actually take those light vibrations and translate it using machine learning and AI back into sound. And this is spy gear the NSA, the CSE here in Canada have had for years. They can sit outside your home point a laser at a light bulb and hear what's being said. Uh, but now it's the idea of, uh-oh, uh, is the Roomba turned into James Bond on me? 
Wow. So, I mean, this sounds like it's difficult, though. What are the odds that somebody would actually go through with just because you can doesn't mean you will. What are the odds that a hacker would say, I'm going to target Chris Creston's house because his Roomba's on and I want to find out what they're talking about because, you know, they're up to no good in there or, you know, they're sitting on bags of cash that I want. Well, I think the the probability the average Canadian citizen is going to be targeted with this type of attack is extraordinarily low. If I was, say, the prime minister or uh, the the head of a major Canadian corporation, I'd probably be a little bit more concerned about industrial or nation state level sort of espionage. Um, What I think is probably more likely as a threat is eventually one of these little Roomba manufacturers or a competitor will realize they can gather all this data. They'll sell you a cheaper Roomba. Uh, for you know, 100 or 200 dollars less in the terms of service, they're going to say. By the way, we gather information about what TV shows you watch, and we sell yeah. that data back. Uh, and, and you're and you're not even going to pay attention to that because we don't. We just it, you know it, it kills me because I even do this even though I talk about this. Uh, terms and conditions will come up. I'll go yada yada yada. Click yes, yes, and 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 that is our undoing because. If you're wondering why uh, one manufacturer that respects your privacy sells a device for hundreds of dollars more, like the Apple iPhone, while Android phones are cheaper, it's because you pay the difference with your data. Now, as long as you're making informed choices about that and you're cool with it, I, I respect your, your free will and consumer power. Um, but if you didn't know that was the bargain, um, that kind of sucks. All right. Well, I'm happy that we have you here uh, telling people about the bargain that they have made. How about this story about the U.S. military buying location data from ordinary apps? Tell us what's going on there. Well, this one was quite the scoop for uh, Vice Motherboard. So they discovered that the U.S. military has been buying location data from what are known as data brokers. Now, many apps, uh, including everything from a level, like measuring whether your table is level, to weather apps, to, um, for the Muslim community, an app called Muslim Pro that helped them orient towards Mecca and with prayer times, have been gathering their location data and sharing it with third parties, again, in their terms of service, telling people, but no one knew this. And one of the customers for that was the United States Special Operations Command, uh, which I'm sure they're less than comfortable uh, looking at their data, tracking everyone's movements. I wouldn't be comfortable with it. Wow. Um, and and was this something that um, would have been hidden somewhere in the terms and conditions? Absolutely. Um, and so, it, you know, many times this just exists in plain sight. You know, a lot of people didn't realize that the uh, flashlight or weather app that they got for free, they didn't pay for it in the app store. What was the bargain? Like we just talked about, in this case, it was the data. And even apps that you think are free and that you know the equation, like the Tim Hortons app, which got a lot of attention thanks to some coverage from the National Post earlier this year, was gathering creepy levels of location data that may have even exceeded what Tim Hortons knew it was collecting because they implemented another vendor's technology. Um, so sometimes it may not be in the terms of service as clearly as it needs to be. So what's the takeaway from these two stories? The takeaway is the announcement this week about the privacy legislation um, that's now in first reading in Canada uh, is needed immediately. Um, this legislation makes it clear, and it actually says in the legislation, so not only do I read terms of service, I also read federal legislation for fun, um, that they actually have to use plain language and explain to you exactly what you're doing and what you're consenting to, and it forces them, uh, app makers, 
whether it's a Roomba or a smart app on your phone, to be very clear why they're collecting the data and to only use it for the purposes that you've expressly, clearly uh, given consent. And if they don't, we can find them $25 million or 5% of their global revenues. So we wow. finally have given the Privacy Commissioner a stick, which is actually bigger than the stick the Europeans have, not talking about euro to Canadian uh, conversion rates here, but just for a second, we actually have finally taken privacy seriously. And after years of probably hearing me on the radio saying, we need this, we almost have it. Okay, and so where is the bill right now? So it's in first reading, so it just introduced in Ottawa uh, this week. So it's going to have to work its way through the legislative process, and we don't know if it'll get spun off for amendments and uh, how long that will delay it. So Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't expect it in the near term. And we don't know what kind of a um, grace period Ottawa is going to give to um, companies to get their act together before it comes into force. This is something we saw with GDPR, where um, folks were given a couple of years to uh, sort out their houses. We don't know how generous Ottawa will be before it drops the hammer. How long does it have to take for someone to rewrite their terms of agreement in a plain English? I mean, you'd think that could be done in 24 hours. Uh, I think the key word here is we almost have it underlined twice. And the other thing I'm hoping is in this legislation is that clear language that's easy to understand for, um, you know, the terms and conditions comes in point form. Because if it's not in bullet form, people are still going to like look at pages of this and just go yada, 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 except. No, it's going to be as clean and clear as what the CRTC forced for mobile phones. Remember those like 26 page contracts that were bigger than your mortgage? Um, Now there are a couple of pages in plain English um, in, in point form in some cases. That's exactly what we need so that individual Canadians can make informed choices. And if someone wants to give away their data all the day long to whoever because stuff's free, go for it. But for the rest of us that didn't necessarily want that devil's bargain, um, we now know what we're getting into. All right, David, thanks so much for clarifying this for us and getting us up to speed and what these two stories mean in the larger scheme of things. I really appreciate your time. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for the opportunity. Eight degrees right now, headed towards a high of 12 degrees under mainly sunny skies. I'm really not the pro that should be talking about the weather But he's on the line. He's our chief meteorologist for Global News. Anthony Farnell joins the show. Anthony, welcome to the program. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me on, Kelly. And yeah, that mostly sunny sky is the only thing I have a problem with with uh, today's forecast. Yeah, I've got a lot of clouds where I am right now. It's it's not good. Yeah, same same here. So uh, we'll see. We'll get some sun in there and then tomorrow looks even warmer. So that is uh, that is a good way to end the week. Okay, let's talk about your winter forecast because everybody's looking ahead. I don't, here's the thing. You know, every year we hope for a, a white Christmas, except for this year, we're hoping for a green zone Christmas. That aside, I don't know how much people care about the weather this this winter because we are going to be uh, sequestering ourselves for a, the possibility of a very long indoor winter. So what are we looking at weather-wise? 
Yeah, well, uh, I definitely think there's there's some importance to this winter forecast because people can either spend it all inside or you can maybe buy some cross-country skis, get some skates, get out there when you can, dress appropriately, and just uh, try not to be completely cooped up and hibernating. So uh, as far as our winter goes, I, I do think we're in for a milder than normal winter. It's definitely off to a later start than the past couple of years with uh, very little snow in November. It's uh, amazing how warm it was the first half of the month. And even December looks to be mild and uh, rather snow-free until this pattern changes. And I am expecting it to change around the holidays and then uh, lasting through probably February. So the timing is what's going to decide whether or not we get a white Christmas. But we are going to have a lot of snow coming up this winter. Okay, you are a weather guy, so mild to you might be different for the average person when it comes to mild. What do you mean by mild December? Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great point. And uh, when I say mild, I'm talking in relation to normal. So typically, the coldest time of the winter is late January and early February, and that's going to hold true in a big way this year. So mild for December would be one to two degrees above seasonal. Right now, our, our daytime high is about six. By Christmas time, it's one degree. So uh, add maybe two degrees to that on a monthly average. That's what we're thinking for December. And it, it doesn't, it, unfortunately, it, it doesn't work out that easily. You get big swings where it's super mild one day, like today, 12 degrees. And then the next day, it's minus 10. And that's kind of the way I, I think it's going to go until we start to, uh, to get into this La Nina pattern later in the winter. Okay, before we start talking about uh, La Nina, La Nino, uh, let's talk about the ski season because I know a lot of ski resorts, local ski resorts, are hoping that people will take your advice and get out and hit the slopes. But they're selling out of their passes uh, in advance uh, quite quickly. So if people have invested in passes for their local ski hill, you say January, February are going to be the months? I think so, yeah. It's going to be a struggle to even try and make enough snow, hopefully, um, <laughs> with the advances in technology, it doesn't need to be that cold for places like Blue Mountain to get those guns going and, and get it open for Christmas. But it's going to be working against Mother Nature with this mild pattern ahead. I do think, yeah, January, February, March break, a much better chance. And with the variability of this winter, even though we're forecasting a lot of snow and it's going to come with uh, well, this stormy pattern, but I also am forecasting above normal rainfall and perhaps some ice storms. So it's that combination that, that makes it a bit tricky. Uh, I just mean that if you see powder outside, go skiing that day, don't wait a few days because it may melt. Oh, really? We're going to see more of those ice storms that we've noticed were, are, are, are becoming more and more frequent. Yeah, that's been something that uh, whether it's related to climate change or just this uh, cycle that we're in, we have had ice storms almost every year. And uh, at times, every two or three years, they become uh, major power outage storms. So that's something we're watching, especially when you have the warm and cold battling it out like we're predicting around the Great Lakes. You brought up La Nina. What What can we expect from La Nina? Well, La Nina, for those that don't know, it's a, it's a Spanish term, and uh, El Nino is, is, I guess, the more popular version of it. That is warm water in the equator area of the Pacific. The Pacific Ocean is the biggest body of water on the planet, so when temperatures change one way or the other there, it can alter the jet stream everywhere. So even though 
maybe southern Ontario is nowhere near the Pacific, it still has, has an effect. So La Nina is cool water in the Pacific, and generally in a La Nina winter, no two are alike, but we end up with a lot of rain, a lot of snow, and milder temperatures. So that is what I'm thinking for this winter, but of course things can sometimes change as curveballs get thrown at you. Yeah. Is that your disclaimer? That, that's my disclaimer, yeah. And one <laughs> other thing, uh, Kelly, about uh, La Nina, it's been going since the summer, and it can mean different things at different times of year. Uh, we have just, well, we're about to wrap up a record Atlantic hurricane season, 30 named storms so far, and a lot of that has to do with the La Nina. They knew it was coming, and it affects weather in other parts of the world. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. I want to get to something more immediate. And that's something I was talking about yesterday. I know there was some snow in Barrie uh, this week. And yesterday I had snow outside my window and that wasn't anything to worry about, but I still haven't changed my snow tires. As I know, a lot of people have been kind of holding back and, and waiting things out because we have seen a warmer November. When do we need to get those snow tires put on? Like, should we be doing that this coming week? What? What are you saying as yes. far as snow tires are <laughs> The short answer is yes. Um, you don't want to wait for that snow to be in the forecast where if I start uh, saying, okay, next Monday, a 20-centimeter snowstorm for Toronto, you better believe there's going to be lineups. There already are to get these tires on. So you want to do it in advance. Even though it's later than normal, it's still coming. We're not going to escape uh, <laughs> escape winter this year. So, yeah, get those done. And uh, I just know that it is a bit different. Thankfully, a lot of people are still able to work from home and maybe kids don't have to go in every day. So those snow days, when they do occur, they're going to be a little different than, than say, mm-hmm. last winter. I, I, you know, just to clarify, you're not predicting 20 centimeters of snow on Monday, right? No, no, I am not. And uh, you mentioned lake effect and uh, Barry getting it first. That's often the case. Uh, I don't expect big lake effect snow outbreaks until the cold arrives. And uh, in a sustained fashion, I, I just don't see that, uh, at least for the next three, four weeks. All right, Anthony, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It's good to talk to you again. Stay safe. Nice to talk to you. See you, Kelly. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget, if you want to join us live, we broadcast three hours daily between Monday and Friday on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, 9 to noon. Hopefully you can join us. Have a great day.